And here he says, we put on the breastplate of faith and love. What's a breastplate do for the soldier in battle? It covers. Our cops use them today. Our soldiers use them today. They put on these vests that cover their vital areas. And the Lord says, put on my love. Put on faith. It'll cover your vital parts. Faith in Jesus Christ. Hey, we can lose the body, but putting on the breastplate of love and faith, we find that our vitals are secure in Christ Jesus. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. First Thessalonians chapter 5, we're dealing with the day of the Lord today. A topic that's found throughout many portions of Scripture. We'll be reading a few of those references in a few minutes. But it's really dealing with the doctrine of last things. As we learned last week, this phrase of eschatology, which means the doctrine of last things or the last days. Dealing with the doctrine of last things, the things that are going to take place. Some of these things have already begun to take place in our world. We see more things continuing to take place. One, the regathering of Israel into the land. It was a necessary thing. So another part of the eschatology, these doctrine of last things, has to do with the seven years of coming tribulation upon this world. The second coming of Jesus Christ, his millennial reign upon this earth, the final judgment of both believers at the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ, unbelievers at the great white throne judgment, and ultimately a new heaven and a new earth. Speaking about the day of the Lord, Peter in 2 Peter 3.8 says, But beloved, do not forget one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And so the Lord's day is coming. And so it's not just a 24-hour period, but we're talking about a period of time that is a minimum of a thousand years. But the Lord's day is coming, a time where Satan, where Scripture tells us in Revelation 20, that Satan will be bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years and will not be released again until those thousand years are finished. For a thousand years, the Word tells us that the Lord will rule and reign upon this earth with a rod of iron meaning that his reign will be forced upon many people who truly don't believe. Things will change during that time. The age will revert back to the timeline that we find there in the garden, that 
Adam and Eve living the long lives and those who followed immediately after them down through the flood, that things will revert back to where people live longer upon the earth. But even in that length of stay, we find that their heart still truly isn't toward the Lord. When Satan is released, he gathers a huge army again. And the army comes from this earth. It comes from those who are living on this earth. And they try to rally once again against the Lord. But the Lord will be victorious during that time. He will be victorious and his kingdom will never be destroyed. So reading from our text, we learn a little more information about the day of the Lord, reading verses 1 through 11. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him, therefore comfort each other, and edify one another just as you also are doing. And Father, I pray that we will be edified today, and that we will find comfort in these words this day. So we look into your word today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. In verse 4 it says, but you, now he's talking to the church again. In verse 3, he's talking to the unbeliever. But to us, he says, brethren, we are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. We're not like the world. We shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be shocked when this day comes. One, I believe the reason it won't overtake us because of our faith in Christ and the rapture of the church, that he'll take us out prior to this day. Remember, I said Israel is a problem. Scripture tells us that the Lord's going to allow the Antichrist to make peace for one week. So he'll solve the problem temporarily. But of the Christians, just taking us out of the situation solves the problem for the world. Some people believe as believers that we just don't want to go through tribulation. That you don't have to wait till the great tribulation to go through sorrows, heartache, tribulation, Hey, that's going to come. Just being on this earth, it's going to come. So we're all going to go through stuff. And ask some of the churches in other parts of the country. Ask some of the pastors in China. That's today. That's not reading about persecution that took place in the New Testament time or era. But that's today. And so we'll see persecution. We'll see tribulation. But you, brethren, we're not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. We're not like the rest of the world. In verse 5, he says, You are all sons of the light, sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. And so we can approach this phrase of being sons or daughters of the light, sons or daughters of the day, 
of not being in the night or darkness in two different ways. One, that we are not in spiritual darkness. We are aware because of the word of God, because of prophecy, we are aware of things that are going on in this world spiritually. Our eyes are opened. As I've been talking about, as this day of the Lord approaches, we have events in, unfolding in our world like nations rising up against nations, just as the Lord said it would take place, but especially nations rising up against Israel. We look at that and say, Lord, you're, you're doing something. We're not in darkness on this. We see that in many places of our world that we are preparing for this one world monetary system to where we just have one currency. As we know, Europe already has it. Right now it's in the work. It's going to, what they said and what I've read in the last few weeks that, you know, the dollar in the United States will probably be around for quite a few more years. Maybe, maybe not. But they are preparing to have, like the euro, one here in the United States that would cover Canada, North America, Mexico, South America, that we would all kind of come into one currency here. And to bring us into one currency, to bring you know the euro already there, so much easier just to bring the whole world. So we look at this and say, oh, not in darkness. Knew this day was coming because Scripture talked about it. We've read about it in Scripture. Book of Revelation talking about the mark that no one will be able to buy and sell without this mark upon them. Now, years ago, we would have literally thought it was a visible mark, but now we have smart chips. We have devices that can be implanted inside just underneath the skin that contains all of your information, medical, financial, everything about you. With computers today, it's all contained there. Now, they had tried this with refugees some probably 10, 12 years ago. They brought some refugees out of Africa, actually brought them overseas into South America in that location. And to identify and to put them through the process, they took these smart chips and they put them on a, a hardened plastic band on their wrist. Now, these were tribal men who didn't, a lot of tribal men mark their bodies, but these guys didn't want any markings on their bodies. And so they were trying to remove these bands. I read an article on this right here in this church when Pastor Mike was here. Um, somebody showed us some article on this. And the problem was the band. Because it was covering their body, they were literally um, cutting themselves, trying to get this thing to break off, and hurting themselves. And so the solve is just put it under the skin. It won't show anything on the outside of the body. It'll be under the skin. It'll be marked just like the animals and the horses today who have that chip in them. So we see that. Oh, yeah, the Lord said, won't be able to buy and sell without that mark. Not going to take me by surprise. I remember when I was 17 years old working in Jewel, and the uh, codes came on the labels and cans for checking out for the very first time. Now we live by them. We even check out ourselves uh, with them. But there was a guy talking about, this is the mark, you know, and, and the guys I worked with, teenagers, most of us anyways, thought these guys were crazy. But I knew. I knew what he was talking about. And now, this probably isn't the mark here, but it's setting it up. It's definitely setting up that type of technology. Famines, pestilence, earthquakes, all these things that are taking place. Diseases that we thought we had licked. 
are coming back around again, but then new diseases that are threatening, pandemics that are threatening our earth. Uh, we're not in darkness. The Lord said that these things would take place. But also, it's just not being unaware in that sense, but it's also not in darkness because Jesus' light is in you now. Paul, when he came to faith, and he's giving testimony of that day when the Lord met him on the road to Damascus, the Lord said to Paul in Acts 26, 18, he says, I send you to the Gentiles to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and the inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me, to turn them from darkness to light. We're not in darkness because we have been turned into the light, into the light of Jesus Christ. We have been truly enlightened. There is that phrase where people have been enlightened, you know, in that sense. We truly have been, but that enlightenment comes through Jesus Christ, where we've been turned from darkness to light. In verse 6, he says, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. True in both things. I sleep, and I sleep at night usually, unless I fall asleep during the day on the couch or something. But for the most part, it's at night. But there are those who just simply carouse at night. Those who get drunk, often they're finding that at night. But it's not talking about those who sleep necessarily being bad as far as physical sleep. Hey, it's just common that we sleep at night. What he's talking about, those who are sleeping and they're spiritually unaware. They're unbelievers that he's talking about here. Those who sleep sleep at night, they get drunk at night, but not as us. Let us be the ones who watch and are sober. Be watchful and be sober, the Lord is telling us. And so we're to be ready, to be watchful, to see the events unfold before us in this world, not knowing when that day will come, but realizing that the day is coming, it is approaching, it's getting closer. We're to be watchful, we're to be sober. In verse 8, we're also to be putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. This is the second time that Paul has used these phrase here in 1 Thessalonians of faith, hope, and love. We know it more from 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love, but the greater of these is love. But he's used them twice here. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 3, he said, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And here he says, we put on the breastplate of faith and love. What's a breastplate do for the soldier in battle? It covers. Our cops use them today. Our soldiers use them today. They put on these vests that cover their vital areas. And the Lord says, put on my love. Put on faith. It'll cover your vital parts. Faith in Jesus Christ. Hey, we can lose the body, but putting on the breastplate of love and faith, we find that our vitals are secure in Christ Jesus. But also, the helmet as a hope of salvation. We have a helmet that protects our head, right? Even our soldiers, our, even our police, when they go into a, a situation, will put on you know, the helmets to protect them. The SWAT team comes in and they have their helmets on because they don't want to get their, you know, 
brains blown out for soldiers. It's, it's bombs that's going off. We hear about this all the time, but it's to protect them. But here as believers, it's protecting us, our minds. As we live in this world, our minds are under attack at all times, and we need to put on this helmet of salvation, this hope of salvation to cover our minds. And so we have faith, hope, and love once again. We find that Paul loved to use this, these three things. As we cover our vital organs with faith and love and, and put on as a helmet the hope of salvation, that our minds might be protected from the corruption that's in this world and that we will obtain salvation before the day of the Lord. For in verse 9 he says, For God did not appoint us to wrath. There are many believe that the church is going to go through the tribulation period. But I disagree with them for many reasons. One, this verse, God did not appoint us to wrath. And during the great tribulation, it is God's wrath being poured out upon this earth like it's never been poured out before. Could be that God's wrath has come. We know through the flood that it did. Through other times that God's wrath has come upon this earth. But the tribulation is different than any other time before it. And we have not been appointed to that. And so I believe that we've not been appointed to God's wrath because of the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. But also we have examples from Scripture. As I mentioned Enoch and Noah earlier, Enoch was, in a sense, raptured into heaven. Enoch was a man who walked with God and was not because God took him. God just took him home one day. But his Enoch, Methuselah, his great-great-grandson, Noah, try to get it out, there's four of them there, um, went through. So Noah represents Israel who went through the coming judgment. For them it was the flood and God spared them. Enoch, representing the church, was taken out before it ever happened. Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that Abraham interceded for Lot before destruction came for Sodom and Gomorrah. And when Abraham was interceding for Lot in Genesis 18.25, he prayed to the Lord and said, Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked, far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the answer is, of course. But interestingly enough, when the angels went down to Sodom and Gomorrah, and it tells us that Lot was not leaving right away, that they literally took him by the hand, took him out of the city, and then he begged them, let me go to this other city, to Zorah, to find safety or shelter there. And they said, go ahead, go to that city. But then the angel said to them in Genesis 19.22, hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. So judgment couldn't come upon Sodom and Gomorrah until righteous Lot, yes, righteous Lot, was safe in that city. And Peter picks up on this later and wrote in 2 Peter 2.7, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations or wrath to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. The Lord knows how to separate the two. There in Egypt, when the plagues were coming upon the Egyptians, there was a time during that plagues where the Lord made a distinction between Israel and the land of Goshen where they lived and Egypt. Exodus 8.22, 
The Lord said, In that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of the flies will be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. I will make a difference between my people and your people. So the Lord knows how to distinguish between those who believe and those who don't. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In that story of them going through the fiery furnace, Daniel is not mentioned. We know that he's alive because he's mentioned before it. He's mentioned after it, but he's not there. Now we know the character of Daniel that he would have never bowed down. It was just the character of this man. So he was gone for some reason, perhaps on King's business somewhere else. He was not there. And so, again, Daniel, like the church, taken out, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego taken through the fiery trial as the Lord will preserve the nation of Israel during the tribulation. The book of Revelation is a great example of this. If you study through the book of Revelation, you find the church mentioned directly in chapters 2 and 3. The Lord is writing letters to his churches, seven mentioned by name. In chapters 4 and 5, the Lord says to John, come up here, and suddenly for two chapters, John is in heaven. And there in chapters 4 and 5, we find the church also, and we also find the song of the redeemed being sung. In Revelation 5, 9, they're singing, worthy is the lamb who takes the scroll and opens its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. How have you been redeemed? By the blood of the Lamb, right? This is us singing to the Lord. You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. And you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. The church is found in chapters 4 and 5 in heaven, in the heavenly throne room. But chapter 6 through 18, the church is never mentioned again, and it deals totally with the great tribulation. Get into chapter 19, we see the marriage supper of the Lamb again. We see the church coming to rule and reign with the Lord for that time of the thousand-year millennium where Satan will be bound up. And so the church is at play again, but he had, we have been with the Lord and coming back. So we have these examples from Scripture. We have not been appointed to wrath, but we have been appointed to obtain salvation there in verse 9. Appointed to attain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. How is that salvation found? In verse 10, it is he who has died for us. So whether we wake or sleep, we should always be with him together. Now this sleep here, I believe, is not talking about the sleep that the world is in just unaware of these events that's going on. I believe now Paul is going back to chapter 4, talking about those who have slept, sleep in Jesus, those who have died, and those who are awake and will meet him in the air. That whether we wake or sleep, hey, we're going to be with the Lord forever because he has redeemed us. We're not appointed to wrath, but to salvation. Therefore, comfort each other, edify one another, just as you also are doing. So with all these things, and we've talked about events that we know are going on in our world, watch the news. It can be very frightening, but it also can be very exciting. We're to find comfort in the Lord Jesus. Saying, Lord, I know you got it in control. And then even if I have to go through some stuff, you're going to get me through. We've not been appointed to wrath, but to salvation. And I'll close with this verse. Peter wrote to us in verse 
chapter 3, verse 8 of Second Peter, saying, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's desire. Hey, to come to repentance, not to be caught unaware, not to go through wrath. In this chapter, there has been them, they, and us, and we. And God has distinguished, and, and as we have seen through history, he's always known how to distinguish his people from those who don't believe. We should take courage in this, knowing that God is still on the throne and still in control, and that one day peace will come. Not the peace and safety that the world is looking for, but that day when the Prince of Peace comes to rule and reign upon this earth. And it's my desire that we are all with him on that day. Father, I pray that we would take courage in these things that you have written to us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.